Yo, what is up everybody? It is JT Sports. I'm here with episode 5 of JT Sports Live. I know that it has been a while since I have done a live stream, but I'm here now. I plan on doing these live streams every day until I leave for college in August. Then once I get to college, I'm still going to live stream, but it'll probably be like two or three times during the week. Now, last night when I was trying to get this whole setup figured out, I was trying to figure out, okay, why is my face so close up like why does it feel like i'm so zoomed in to the camera so y'all have to put up with a close-up of my ugly ass face right now you know kind of going through a little phase but you know that needs going away you know teenage years is what they call it puberty so this episode of the jt sports podcast i'm going to be doing my nfc east record predictions for the upcoming 2021 NFL season. I'm going to be live streaming all my predictions for every single prediction every day. I'm aiming for a time of what we're doing right now, four to five o'clock. I will let you guys know if something changes. But yeah, man, make sure that you guys like the live stream, share the live stream on your social media pages for your friends, family, acquaintances. Also, make sure that you guys turn on post notifications, just that little bell icon right next to the subscribe button, so you don't miss another live stream or when I upload a new video. On top of that, this also will be available on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. All you have to do is, in the comment section down below, say, hey, JT, I love listening to the JT Sports Podcast, so is there a way that I can listen to it? And I'm going to respond to you, and I'm going to say, yes, you can. All you have to do is go to the description and make sure that you guys look for the podcast area, and then you guys can um, go ahead out from there. So I have to make a little correction because the title says, NFC East is really NFC North. See there, I I can never get these things right, man. Uh, let's see if I can up if I can update this on the fly real quick. Um, let's see. I'm tripping already, man. Crazy. It says NFC East. It really should say NFC North, but I guess we're gonna have to say bump it. I'm gonna have to go ahead change it on the fly. So this is my NFC North record predictions. It says NFC East in the title. My apologies for all you guys who are looking forward to my NFC East predictions. That'll probably be here tomorrow. But yeah, we're here with my NFC North record predictions. Let's go ahead and get into it. So the first thing I want to start off with are the Detroit Lions. Now, last year, the Detroit Lions were the worst team in the NFC North. They had a record of 5-11 and under former head coach Matt Patricia. And I'm really excited about the Detroit Lions, okay? Like, the Detroit Lions, I think, are moving in the right direction. You bring in new head coach Dan Campbell. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Dan Campbell, how he has kind of, you know, shifted the culture a little bit to a positive tone. Under Matt Patricia, it seemed like he was running some kind of military organization or whatnot. But the players under Matt Patricia just were not having fun playing football. And I understand that football is a sport, is a business. 
But you also got to have fun while you're doing this as well. And players weren't really having a lot of fun under Matt Patricia. You bring in Dan Campbell, it seems like players are now starting to enjoy playing football way more than what they did under head coach Matt Patricia. But they did go 5-11 last season. Um, I definitely feel like for the Lions that... This is a team that I'm higher on than the majority of people out there. A lot of people feel like this probably could be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't feel that way. I feel like the Lions should at least win five games or more. So let's get into the first thing. I'm doing my best case, worst case, and my overall record prediction. I'm not going game by game because I feel like too many people focus on who is beating who and who's losing to who and they don't focus on the record so i'm not posting the game by game predictions or whatnot you can go find somewhere else i'm going by my overall record prediction which i really care about the most i only care about getting the records right and i'm pretty accurate with these i'm hitting on like 70 percent now i want to start off with something unique i want to talk about my swing game so I think that every team in the NFL throughout the NFL season has two big games. Now, these aren't marquee games that these two teams have to win and whatnot. But these are games that you're going to look back at the end of the season. You're going to say, man, like if we would have won this game, our season probably went probably would have went differently. Or if we would have lost this game, then we probably wouldn't have made the playoffs or whatnot. So swing games are games that I feel like are defining games per se and you look at the Detroit Lions I feel like their two swing games are week six against the Cincinnati Bengals and week 11 on the road against the Cleveland Browns now the reason why I think that that week six matchup against Cincinnati is a swing game is because I feel like the Bengals could give Detroit some problems okay and on top of that Detroit is going to be entering that week six matchup against Cincinnati. In my opinion, they're either going to be one and four or they could be or five because you got to remember the Lions probably have the toughest four game stretch to open the season than any other team in the NFL, in my opinion. Okay, week one, you're starting out against the 49ers. Week two, you have to go on the road and play the Green Bay Packers. Then you come back home, play Baltimore. Then you got to play the Bears and the Vikings. So their first four games are really tough. And then you come back and you play the Vikings after coming home well going on the road to face the Chicago Bears so you have two back-to-back road matchups so I think this Bengals game is really important because they lose this game they could be in danger of being 0-6 or 1-5 now that we six game against Cincinnati is not a must win but I definitely think it's a very important part of the Detroit Lions season now you look at week 11 they're going on the road to face the Cleveland Browns obviously we know that the Browns are everybody's pick to be the team that's going to end up competing against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Conference Championship game this year. I feel like this is a swing game, a really important game for the Lions per se, because after this, your schedule is pretty easy. You have to face the Bears at home, the Vikings at home. You go on the road to face Denver in week 14, Arizona at home, Atlanta on the road, Seattle and Green Bay is how you close out your season after you play the Cleveland Browns. I think that those are all 
all winnable games for the Detroit Lions. So that's why I have the Browns as a swing game after they get done with this week 11 matchup against the Browns. Then their schedule is pretty easy from that point forward. Now, my best case scenario for Detroit is 10 and 7. Now, this may be a huge stretch to a lot of you guys, but I think that 10 and 7 definitely is a really realistic scenario for the Detroit Lions. And like I'm saying, this is the best case. If their season goes how it should, in Lions fans' eyes, and they beat the 49ers, they're able to split against Green Bay and whatnot, maybe they can pull off an upset on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers, then they could well end up going 10 and 7 because look, the Detroit Lions have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And there's not a lot of scenarios that happens very often where a team that has a top five, top ten offensive line ends up being one of the worst teams in the NFL and doesn't end up being really competitive. So I think with how good Detroit is on the offensive line side of the football, I think that they're definitely going to be able to compete with some of the best teams in the league. Then on the defense side of the football, okay, yeah, you do have concerns at linebacker, your secondary, especially the back end of the secondary when it comes to your safety position looks really shaky, but your defensive line is really solid. You should be able to get pressure on the quarterback. I feel like Detroit has an above average defensive line that should at least be like top 15 or higher. So I think best case scenario for the Detroit Lions this year definitely is 10 and 7. I can see them going 10 and 7, not only winning 10 games, but also there's an outside chance that they have of making it into the playoffs if everything goes correctly. Now, the worst case scenario for the Detroit Lions, in my opinion, 6 and 11. Now, I don't think Detroit is going to lose more than 11 games this year. I think that they should at least win five games or more, which is why I think that the worst case scenario for Detroit has to be 6-11. and 11. Now, I said that they have a really good offensive line, and their defensive line is pretty good also. But at the same time, they do have a lot of holes that you just cannot simply overlook, especially when it comes to linebacker and when it comes to safety. Now, corner, I'm not, I'm not down on the Detroit Lions corners. I actually think their cornerback group is pretty decent. You have Emmanuel Ruye, who I really think that he's really underrated. I think he's been really solid for the Detroit Lions. Then you have Jeff Okuda, who is coming off a terrible rookie season. And I understand Matt Patricia's scheme wasn't the best to suit his strengths and what he did well. On top of that, you had COVID-19 that everybody had to deal with. I understand that. But here's something that Lions fans also have to understand. For all you guys who are saying that Jeff Okuda could bounce back, most cornerbacks that are drafted in the first round are good immediately. You look at Jared Alexander... Denzel Ward, those corners were really good, and they were drafted in the first round, and the cornerbacks that are not really good who are drafted in the first round normally end up being bust. A good example of this is Artie Burns. He was drafted in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of years ago. He didn't have a really good rookie season, and he ended up being a bust for Pittsburgh. So rookie cornerbacks, normally you can tell how good they are right away from the rookie season because I believe that cornerback is an impact position. So for Jeff Okuda, hopefully he can change that trend. But most of the time, corners who don't have a really good rookie season normally don't end up bouncing back from that. So I think 6-11... 
Worst case scenario, I don't think they're going to end up losing uh, like 13 or 14 games or whatnot. I definitely feel like they can win at least six games at worst because this is going to be a really competitive football team. Okay, like the Jaguars and the Lions, I feel like are the two teams that a lot of people are sleeping on. I'm not saying these two teams are going to make it to the playoffs or whatnot, but I definitely feel like these two teams are going to be better than what a lot of people in the media are giving them credit for. They're going to be really competitive, man. So for the Lions, 6-11, I think that you definitely can say that they could lose that opener to the 49ers. You definitely could lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though I think that the Lions will win that game. But definitely, they could lose that game. Going on the road to Heinz Field in the month of November is really tough to pull out a win at that time of the year. And not only that, but it's really hard despite what time you play the Steelers to go on the road and win at Heinz Field. Like, it doesn't matter if you're playing them in September, October, but in November, man, it's really hard to beat Pittsburgh, man. So I think 6-11 is the worst-case scenario for the Lions. My overall record prediction for Detroit this year is going to be 7-10. I think that this team is going to win at least seven games this year, and if I was able to bet, which I'm not because I'm not the legal gambling age. I'm only 19 years old. I have two more years until I'm able to gamble on these kinds of things. But if I was able to bet money on Detroit winning more than five games, I would put a lot of money on the line. Okay, because I definitely feel like this team is going to be better than what a lot of you guys are giving it credit for. And I see you guys in the comment section saying I'm hyping up Detroit and whatnot. You guys realize that you guys said the same thing when I had Washington going 79 last season. You guys said the same thing when I had the Cleveland Browns making it to the playoffs. So I understand the criticism, but I don't think the Lions are going to end up being one of the worst teams in the NFL. You guys know my mantra on this channel. I probably should get it put on a t-shirt and copyrighted. If you can win up front in the trenches, you're going to be a solid football team or at least halfway decent. And I just find it hard to believe that Detroit is going to flat out stink with how good their offensive line is and how solid their defensive line is. So 7-10 and 10 is my prediction for the Detroit Lions in 2021. Moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Now the Minnesota Vikings are a really interesting team because I think the... Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears this year are hit and miss. They're either going to be really good or they're going to be in. And I look at both the rosters. They both are French playoff teams. They can make it to the playoffs, but they also probably could be on the outside looking in on the playoffs. Last year, the Lions finished 7-9, third place in the NFC North. That defense under Mike Zimmer was probably the worst defense I've ever seen Mike Zimmer ever put on the field during his time as head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you have to take into context that they had a really young secondary, but guys like Cameron Dantzler really turned the corner near the second half of the season. On top of that, you have signed Patrick Peterson in free agency, who I think still has a little bit left in the tank. And on top of that, not only do I feel like Patrick Peterson can contribute and also improve the overall secondary for Minnesota, but I think he's going to be a good mentor for some of the younger guys, some of the younger corners on this roster like Cameron Dantzler or whatnot. So you finished 7-9 last year. What is the best case scenario for Minnesota this year? Well, I think that is going to be... Is it going to pull up graphics guy? 
I think that the best case scenario for Minnesota this year is going to be 10 and 7. Now, I say 10 and 7. I know I had Detroit going 10 and 7, but I feel like all these teams in this division are pretty hit and miss. I definitely see the upside with the Minnesota Vikings. You improve the offensive line. You draft Christian Darisol in the first round of this past year's NFL draft. I don't know how in the world they were able to trade down and still get one of the best off the tackles in this year's draft class. But I feel like Minnesota drafted pretty well. I like the addition of Christian Darisaw. He's definitely going to improve that off the line. And we know what Minnesota wants to do. It's no secret they want to run the ball a million times down your throat with Dalvin Cook. You still have Adam Thielen. And you have Justin Jefferson, who probably had the best rookie season that we ever saw out of a rookie wide receiver. So... They have talent on the offensive side of football. Defense, the talent's still there, okay? You still have Kendricks there, one of the better linebackers in the NFL. As a matter of fact, some people will say and make the argument that he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL last year. That young secondary definitely should come around. You still have Harrison Smith there. So, obviously, there is a lot of upside with this team. Now, the downside with the Minnesota Vikings is that this team could go 7-10. Now, you got to look at Kirk Cousins. I know Kirk Cousins isn't the worst quarterback in the league. You definitely can't win with Kirk Cousins. I think he's like a top-half quarterback if I was doing my quarterback rankings. But I think Kirk Cousins, at the same time, he can be really good. But he also can be very volatile. You don't know what you're going to get out of Kirk Cousins on a week-to-week basis. So Kirk Cousins could light up the first half of the season for Minnesota and just completely collapsed. Now, I understand people are going to say, well, JT, the off the line wasn't all that great. I understand that. But let's not act like Kirk Cousins just didn't have bad games last year. Let's not act like Kirk Cousins didn't have some meltdowns because he definitely did. So I definitely look at Minnesota as a team that has a lot of upside. But the downside for this team is really ugly. On top of that, We're speculating that this secondary is going to get better. But who knows if Cameron Dantzler and the young cornerbacks that they have in this roster are even good. For all we know, these guys may not be good at all. So a lot of Vikings fans can say, yeah, these guys are going to improve, but we don't have the evidence. Everybody around this time of the offseason thinks that their team is going to make it to the playoffs, that their team is going to win a lot of games, that their team's a Super Bowl contender. And I don't think a lot of people actually sit down and evaluate their team on a unbiased condition. I think everybody just looks at how great their team can be, but nobody looks at how bad their team can be. And you look at Minnesota, yeah, this is is a team that some people may be sleeping on, but but you also got to look at it like this. I think that the Vikings could be a middle-of-the-pack team. In 7-10... I definitely think is a realistic prediction for the Detroit Lions. Now, before I get into my overall record prediction, I got to talk about my swing games for the Detroit Lions. So these are my two swing games for, well, not Detroit Lions, but the Minnesota Vikings, excuse me. So my two biggest swing games for Minnesota this year are going to be against the Dallas Cowboys week eight and against the Pittsburgh Steelers week 11. Now, the Dallas Cowboys game is a really intriguing game to me because I believe that both of these two teams are going to be coming off a bye. So they're going to be well-rested. Minnesota is going to be 
at home. And on top of that, you look at Minnesota with how their schedule stacks up. This could be a game that potentially could determine how they fare when it comes to the playoff race down the stretch. Now, Dallas is a pretty good team that, like Minnesota, is hit and miss. They could be really good if Mike McCarthy can get this team playing up to the level of talent that they currently have in his roster, or they could be really bad if Mike McCarthy ends up being the coach that he was near the ending of his tenure in Green Bay. So you look at Minnesota, and you look at Dallas, I think that these are two similar teams that both have a lot of upside, but they also could be in the middle of the pack as well if things don't go to plan. Then you look at that week, um, 14 game against Pittsburgh. It says week 11 on the graphic. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to edit that out when I go ahead and, um, download this video and chop it up and edit. But I definitely feel like that week 14 Thursday night matchup against Pittsburgh is going to be really big. And the reason why I think it's going to be really big is because when you look at the Steelers and the Vikings at this time of the season, both these two teams are probably going to be in that wild card hunt competing to get either that six or seven spot in the playoffs. So I think that this is a very big game. This is going to be at home for Minnesota and it's going to be on a short week. It's going to be on Thursday night. So when you look at Minnesota, their schedule, I don't think it's tough. I don't think it's easy neither. You definitely have some pretty tough matchups. You got to face Arizona and Seattle and the Cleveland Browns week two, week three, week four. Then you face Detroit week five. You got to go on the road and face Carolina week six. So their schedule isn't easy, but it's not tough neither. I think it's pretty much in the middle of the pack. So you got some winnable games. You also have some games that... And Minnesota may not have a great chance of winning. So my overall prediction for the Detroit Lions this year, well, the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know why I keep saying Detroit, is going to be 8-9. I think that the Minnesota Vikings are going to go 8-9 this year. I think that they are going to miss out on the playoffs by just this much. It's just that I think that the Vikings are a solid team. Don't get me wrong. But I think that there are better teams that can end up making it to the playoffs other than the Minnesota Vikings. So I have them going 8-9 and nine this year. I think that off the line probably is going to be improved, but I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I don't know how much this secondary is going to improve. And although I do understand that Mike Zimmer is a defensive-minded coach, at the same time you have to think, what if this secondary just doesn't perform how Minnesota Vikings fans feel that it will? Just because you think God's going to develop and you're hopeful that God's going to develop doesn't mean they're actually going to. So 8-9 and nine is my record prediction for Minnesota this season. Moving on to the Chicago Bears. So my prediction for the Chicago Bears this year. Last year they went 8-8. Eight and eight. They were second in the NFC North. And they backdoored their way into the playoffs. Because I'm being real with you. This was a team that had no business being in the NFL playoffs last season. And you Bears fans can tell me whatever you guys want to say. But you guys started the season off really hot. Despite making the quarterback change with Nick Foles. You pulled off that big upset Thursday night against Tampa Bay. And then you kind of fell off the face of the earth. Then the schedule got difficult. You started slipping up. But then to end the season, the schedule got really easy. And you guys ended up backdooring your way into the playoffs. And then you ended up getting smacked by the New Orleans Saints. So, you look at Chicago, 
I think that this team does have a chance of making it to the playoffs. I think the best case scenario for the Chicago Bears this season is going to be 10 and 7. I think 10 and 7. I know I had Detroit going 10 and 7. The Vikings going 10 and 7 for their best case scenarios. But I think that for Chicago, their best case scenario is also 10 and 7. I definitely still believe in this defense, although they are losing a good amount of pieces. You got Royal Kyle Fuller, which is a loss, but you have this great young corner that a lot of people don't know about named Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson was a second round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He had the best rookie season for a corner last year, or either the second best rookie season for a cornerback coming out of that 2020 class, depending on who you ask, because also Trayvon Diggs for the Dallas Cowboys also had a really good rookie season. So you got Jalen Johnson. I think he's going to be able to step in pretty well and replace a Kyle Fuller. I think he's definitely going to be a superstar. Then you bring in Desmond Trufant. I don't think Desmond Trufant is bad. I think he's more of a scheme-dependent player. But I think he can be pretty solid as their second corner. It's not like they're asking him to be their number one option. So for the Bears, I definitely see the upside of 10 and 7. Now I think 10 and 7 really has a realistic chance of happening if Justin Fields is able to start. I don't think Andy Dalton is going to be able to get this team to a 10 and 7 record. Now it seems like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have a lot of confidence in Andy Dalton being their starter because they have came out publicly several times this offseason and have said that Andy Dalton is going to be their week one starter. They're in no rush to get Justin Fields on the field. You see how I did that? Justin Fields on the field. But yeah, so I definitely feel like Justin Fields gives them a better chance to win and be 10 and 7 than Andy Dalton because I feel like you can open the playbook up more. You can run RPOs, you can run read options with Justin Fields. Like he just adds a different dynamic to this offense. And as a play caller, which Matt Nagy is going to be taking over play calling roles this year, I feel like starting Justin Fields makes it easier on you calling the plays. But I understand why they want to start Andy Dalton. You saw what happened with Mitch Trubisky. They threw him into the fire too early and it looked like he was going to rebound, but he didn't. So for the Bears, I understand why they're not trying to throw Justin Fields into the fire and whatnot. And the Bears do have a pretty solid offense. Yeah, this concerns about their offensive line, but you look at their receiving core. You have Darnell Mooney, who I'm really excited to watch. You have Allen Robinson, who's looking to get a big-time contract. You have a really good group of tight ends. On top of that, you have David Montgomery at running back, which I think David Montgomery could end up having a breakout season for the Chicago Bears this year. He was really good late in the stretch of last season when they were able to give him the football. He was getting a significant amount of touches. My worst-case scenario for the Chicago Bears, however, is going to be 6-11. and 11. I think 6-11 and 11 is a realistic scenario for the Chicago Bears that definitely can happen because you look at Andy Dalton when he was starting the games that he was in for the replacement of Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott got his season cut short he he played how you expect Andy Dalton to play I'm gonna summarize it at that he didn't win a lot of games for Dallas but he didn't lose another game for Dallas which is why Dallas wasn't able to win many games without Dak Prescott now, with Chicago, you have a roster that definitely isn't bad. You do have some weapons to work with, but off the line definitely is a question. 
I know you selected Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, which I like him a lot, but I still have more concerns about the offensive line. I just really don't have a lot of confidence in the Bears' offensive line going into this year. Then you look at this defense. This defense continues to seem like it's losing more players year in and year out. So for the Bears, as a Bears fan, well, if you are a Bears fan, you got to look at it from a, perfect, from a perspective of this. Yes, you have Khalil Mack. Yes, your defensive line is pretty solid. You have Raquan Smith, who should have been a Pro Bowler last year. But this defense has lost a significant amount of talent compared to what it did a couple of years back in Matt Nagy's first year as head coach in Chicago. So I look at how much Chicago has continued to lose year in and year out on defense. I don't think that this is going to be the elite defense that Bears fans are expecting. I think that this defense can be pretty good, but I think it'll probably be on the outside looking in of being a top 10 defense. So my worst case scenario for the Chicago Bears is 6-11. and 11. And before I get into my final prediction for the Chicago Bears, I want to talk about my two swing games that I have for, for Chicago. And they're both, ironically, against the Detroit Lions. I think week four against Detroit is really big because after this game, you have a really difficult stretch. You have to go on the road to face the Raiders. You face Green Bay. You face the seven, you face the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. You got to face the 49ers. You go on the road and face Pittsburgh on a Monday night. You have a bye week, week 10. Then you have to face the Baltimore Ravens. Then you come back and face the Detroit Lions week 12. So you have a really tough schedule, a brutal, brutal schedule after week four, after you play Detroit, which why I think that's a very key game. Because your season turns after that, okay? You start the season off facing the Rams, Bengals, and Browns. You could go into that Detroit Lions game probably, what, one and two? So that Lions game is really big because if you lose that game, you head into this tough stretch one and three. But if you win that game, you go into that stretch two and two, and I think for Bears fans, you probably would prefer, 99.9%, you guys would rather go into this tough stretch from week 5 to week 11, 2-2, two and two, rather than entering that stretch 1-3. Then after you play Detroit on the road week 12, your schedule kind of mellows down. So you go from extremely difficult to pretty easy. Well, I wouldn't say pretty easy, but it's not going to be as difficult as what it was Weeks 5 to 11. So after week 12, after you go on the road and face Detroit, you have to play Arizona at home. You face Green Bay on the road. Minnesota at home. Seattle on the road. You got to face New York Giants to close out the year. So for me, I feel like the Chicago Bears are probably going to end up going 89. I feel like the Bears are not a bad team. I feel like they're in the middle. I feel like quarterback is really going to determine how far this team goes. And I feel with Andy Dalton, I feel like they're probably going to go 8-9. and nine. And some people probably feel like they can go 6-11, and 11, maybe worse. But I feel like this team has a little bit of grit about them that we saw last year when they upset the Tim Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. 
So you look at Chicago. I think that this is not a bad team. I think like Minnesota, this is a fringe playoff football team. This is a team that definitely can't make it to the playoffs, but I definitely don't feel like they have quite enough talent to get in, especially with how stacked the NFC is this year. The NFC West, oh my goodness, we didn't even talk about the NFC West yet. We're going to get into that in the next couple of days. But I like Chicago. I'm not as high on Chicago as a lot of people are, but I'm not as low as some people are. I'm like in between. I think Chicago could be a playoff team, and I also think that they couldn't be a playoff team. So I have them going 8-9 and nine this year. Before I get into my final record prediction for the Green Bay Packers, we have nine people in the stream. Make sure that you guys like the video if you haven't. Share the live stream. Um, I kind of hate doing live stream videos because it's like if I make a mistake, then it is what it is. I can't go back. Like you guys saw the graphic, have to go back and, you know, edit that out. And, you know, do a little bit of switcheroo and things like that when I upload and take the clips from this. But normally when I'm recording these videos, I can catch these mistakes and then go ahead and edit them on the spot or just start over. But with these live streams, if I mess up, I mess up. So make sure that you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Make sure that you guys follow me on my social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, both is JT Sports underscore. The link to those are down in the description down below. We got a super chat from my guy, Juice Alert 499. My guy, Juice Alert, make sure that you guys check him out. We just did a collab going over training camp for the Green Bay Packers. He says, if Aaron Rodgers wins a second Super Bowl, is he a better all-time quarterback than Peyton Manning? Green Bay will go 11-6 and six in 2021 and will be in the Super Bowl conversation. I'm going to have to say that I would take Aaron Rodgers over Peyton Manning simply for the fact that I think that Aaron Rodgers is a better playoff performer than Peyton Manning. And this is a really unpopular opinion that I have, but I feel like Eli Manning is a better quarterback in the playoffs than what Peyton Manning is. And a lot of people may not want to believe that and whatnot, but I think it's true. I feel like Eli Manning has done a lot better in the playoffs than what Peyton Manning has done. Now you can say, well, maybe Peyton Manning has faced better teams and whatnot, because you did have to go up against New England and some really good Pittsburgh Steelers teams. But I just feel like Peyton Manning has been a very great regular season quarterback. But his success in the postseason isn't as good as his success in the regular season. So, we have the stream messing up right now. Uh, let me see what's going on. That's crazy, man. The stream... Starts messing up when I get to like the last portion. So here we go. Things are starting to come back on. So make sure that you guys go ahead and check out the JT Sports Podcast if you haven't already. And now it's time for my final rec prediction. The Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers last season were number one in the NFC North. They won the division once again. They went 13-3. And they once again lost in the AFC Conference Championship game. So, you look at Green Bay, this still is the best team in this division. I know a lot of Bears fans, Vikings fans, Alliance fans are going to say, Oh, JT, you're just like the rest of the national media, meat riding the Detroit Lions. I'm not. Well, against the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings and the Bears, but I'm not meat riding the Green Bay Packers. Like, I'm just being logical. 
Like, there's no way you can tell me that the Vikings, the Bears, or the Lions are a better team than the Green Bay Packers. And if you are, then you're just being downright biased. So you look at the Green Bay Packers this season, still the best team in this division. Nobody's going to deny that. But you did lose center Corey Lindsley, which I definitely feel like is a huge, huge loss. But their offensive line is still pretty solid. You have Elton Jenkins there. Like, you have some guys there on your offensive line. So offensive line still should be pretty good. Um, You look at the best-case scenario that I have for the Green Bay Packers this season. I think it's going to be 13-4. and four. I definitely feel like Green Bay can once again be one of the best teams in the NFC. And I feel like the schedule is, although it may not be easy... I think that Green Bay is such a good team that they can definitely be some of the better teams on this schedule. Okay, week one, you have to go on the road and face the New Orleans Saints, the team that finished runner-up behind the Tim Bay Buccaneers and their division. I definitely think that is a game that can go either way. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the New Orleans Saints this year just because Jameis Winston is their quarterback. But... I think New Orleans still is a really good team. I definitely feel like New Orleans is a playoff caliber football team. You got to face Detroit week two. You got to face the 49ers week three. So I definitely feel like although there are some pretty tough teams on the schedule, I feel like Green Bay should be able to pull out some pretty big wins. So I think 13-4 is the best case scenario that I have for Green Bay. I don't want to see nobody in the comment section saying, oh, JT, you're, you're jerking off the Green Bay Packers. Like, let's just be honest, guys. If you were to bet money, somebody were to give you $1,000 right now and says, hey, you got to put $1,000 on who you think is going to win the NFC North. Who are you picking? Ain't nobody picking Ain't nobody picking against Green Bay. Like, Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit don't have nowhere near the talent that Green Bay has. And also, I think a lot of people need to give Matt LaFleur the roses. A lot of people need to give Matt LaFleur the credit that he deserves. I feel like Matt LaFleur is a top 10 head coach. Ever since he's taken over as the head coach of Green Bay, two straight AFC Championship game appearances, and although he's came up short in those, I mean, he's doing a lot better than what Mike McCarthy did. So you got to give Matt LaFleur his credit. I feel like Matt LaFleur is kind of a little bit disrespected because some people don't consider him to be a top 10 head coach. I do. You can say he's been carried by Aaron Rodgers and whatnot, which is understandable, but at the same time, you got to look at what Aaron Rodgers was doing when Mike McCarthy was the head coach in Green Bay his last couple of years there. Not really a lot of success. So my best case scenario for Green Bay is 13-4. and I definitely feel like this is still one of the better rosters in the whole entire NFL. I feel like this is one of the best five teams in the NFC going into this year. A lot of people are going to say, well, JT, don't have a lot of good wide receivers, I think that's overblown. I think Packers fans are looking for an elite wide receiver to pair on the opposite side of Devontae Adams. But you do have solid guys. You have MVS there. You have Adam Lazard. You also selected um, a guy out of Clemson, Amari Rodgers. So, like, you definitely have some talent at that wide receiver group. Then you also have to think about the tight end group. Robert Tanyan caught, like, 10 touchdowns last season, double-digit touchdowns. So for me, I feel like Green Bay is still one of the best teams in this conference, and I think that they are the best team in this division. And I shouldn't really get a lot of criticism for me having Green Bay to have, you know, the overall best record here and take them to be the best team. So worst-case scenario, 
10 and 7. Green Bay still is going to be a playoff team, but they have some really difficult games. I definitely feel like they can lose in New Orleans week one. You also can't lose to the 49ers, a team that has given Green Bay a lot of difficulty in the past. Pittsburgh is a game that can go either way. You got to face Washington. I think Washington definitely is a losable game for Green Bay Packers fans there. So you have a schedule that does have some games that you definitely can slip up in. So I definitely feel like Green Bay's worst case scenario is 10-7. and But before I get into my overall rec prediction, my final rec prediction for this live stream, I wanted to talk about my two biggest swing games for the Green Bay Packers this year. Almost said Detroit again. Week 9 against Kansas City and Week 12 at home against the LA Rams. Now, these are two major, major swing games for Green Bay because like I mentioned at the start of this live stream, swing games are not must-win games or key games or whatnot, but these are games that you're going to look back at the end of the season if you are Packers fans and you're going to say, Man, if we would have beat Kansas City or if we would have lost the L.A. Rams, our season would have went this way. So these are the games that you look back once the season ends and you say, okay, these are the games that kind of define how our season went. And I think that these are two big games because when you talk about the Super Bowl conversation, I don't feel like Green Bay kind of has earned their keep. I feel like everybody says, okay, Green Bay is a Super Bowl contender every year because of Aaron Rodgers. But that's the same thing that Seahawks fans were saying with Russell Wilson. And I think that that is kind of an overblown and lazy argument. Like, I understand if you have a great quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. But at the same time, if you're making an argument that your team is a Super Bowl contender just because who's that quarterback, I think that goes to show you that you don't really have that great of a team. Now, I'm not saying that Green Bay doesn't have a good roster. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I feel like Green Bay kind of has to prove to me that they deserve to be mentioned in the breath of teams like the Buccaneers and the LA Rams this season and the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns and whatnot and Buffalo and whatnot. And this is your chance to prove it. The Chiefs are expected to once again win the AFC and make it to the Super Bowl for a third straight year in a row. You got to go on the road and play them. Then on top of that, you got to face the Los Angeles Rams, which is a team that I feel is going to end up competing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NLT Championship game. So the Green Bay Packers are able to at least win one of these games. I would definitely give them the respect they deserve and consider them a top four Super Bowl contender. But as of right now, I don't think Green Bay is in that top tier of Super Bowl contenders right now. I definitely feel like they're in the outside looking in of that discussion. Not saying they're not a Super Bowl contender, but I normally have Super Bowl contenders in tiers. You have your tier one teams, which are your cream of the top. Then you have your tier two teams who are not as good as the tier one teams, but they're also in that Super Bowl discussion as well. And I think that Green Bay is definitely in that tier two when it comes to Super Bowl contenders. And I feel like for all you Green Bay Packers fans who are going to disagree with that, the Packers have a chance to prove me wrong. You get to play Kansas City and the LA Rams, two teams who a lot of people feel can end up making it to the conference championship game of their respective conferences, end up making it to the Super Bowl this year. So that Rams game is definitely going to be a game that I'm going to be watching, especially that Kansas City Chiefs game. Everybody's going to be hyping it up. Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. You guys know how the media does it. So my 
overall rank prediction for the Green Bay Packers this year is going to be 11-6. I feel like Green Bay is once again going to make it to the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to do it in a dominant fashion as they have over the last couple of years. I definitely feel like they can lose to New Orleans week one. And I know I'm not doing game-by-game predictions, but I am going to go out and say that I think that New Orleans upsets Green Bay. Okay, I think they can split with the Detroit Lions. And then I think that there are a couple of other losable games that can go either way. Pittsburgh, San Francisco, not saying they're going to lose those games. I'm just saying that those games that can go either way. You have the Washington football team, which is a team that you definitely cannot sleep on. They could pull off the upset. So I think that 11-6 is going to be my prediction for Green Bay. I still think that this is one of the better teams in all of football. I definitely feel like this team, once again, is going to be in the mix. But I feel like this is a team that isn't going to be as good this year as they have in the past. Another reason for that is because they play a lot of teams who are really physical up front. One thing that I've noticed about Green Bay is that when it comes to facing teams that their identities are being really physical, they end up losing those games. You look at that Tim Bay Buccaneers loss in the regular season. You look at how they were upset by the Indianapolis Colts. Even though that game was lost in overtime, Green Bay struggles against teams that are really physical and have their identities being built of being physical teams. You look at Washington, definitely feel like that's the game Green Bay could lose. So I think Green Bay is still going to be solid. 